You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, yes, and welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I am your host, Ian. With me, as always, we've checked his green card. There's no way we're going to forfeit this podcast due to his international status. It's Harrison Crow. Say hello to everybody, Harrison. I've been around the world and I got my passport right here. You got your passport right here? There's not going to... You know what? Uh, People that work for MLS.com aren't going to have to get it wrong. I can show the paperwork right off the bat. You got the receipts, as the kids say these days. Uh, in addition to Harrison Crow, we have a very special guest with us, uh, a man from American Soccer Analysis, a man from the Save the Crew movement. Um, he's an award-winning soccer analytics guy now, uh, just back from the United States Soccer Federation Hackathon. Uh, he's a good friend of me and Harrison. It's great to have him. Uh, this is Elliot McKinley. Uh, say hello to everybody, Elliot. Hello, everybody. Good to be here. Woo! I know the rare, the rare third chair. We don't usually, uh, you don't usually uh, pull up another chair to this table. So I hope you feel a lot of, uh, a lot of warmth and honor. And it's, it's, uh, it's a great honor. Yeah, I expect that this will probably end up on a special accomplishment section of your CV. Of course. <laughs> uh, wild, uh, wild day in American soccer news. I kind of feel like we need to talk a little bit about just. Uh, all of the weird things that happened today. We had some U.S. Open Cup drama. Um, you guys have any thoughts on that? Like, I, I, I kind of uh, times two. Times two. There's there's two different like for Portland. There there's two different things, right? Right. There was the the yeah, really unfortunate racial abuse situation, which uh, that's really really <clears throat> you know that's terrible. So I hopefully that gets resolved. Um, and, and, and the guilty party's punished, but uh, kind of hard to do that. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but mainly, it looks like there's a good chance that LAFC, who beat Portland 3-2, I believe, uh, in their U.S. Open Cup match, are going to be disqualified because they played too many international players. Yeah, How does this played, happen? They played seven players when they're only allowed to... Uh, well, not even played, right? Um, I made that mistake on Twitter. I had like buku amount of replies like no it's only people in your 18 um it, it it's directly how many internationals you have in 18 it doesn't even matter if they wouldn't have started uh or excuse me subbed on diamande if they wouldn't have signed on uh Jovovic, uh both of those players i mean just being in 18 it hurt them so uh, that being said, I feel like they might have had a case if neither one of those two were, would have even played in the game. I think that they could have maybe got away with it. Um, and I hate saying that uh, because it sounds very tin, you know, tinfoil hat-ish, if, if you will. But after... You, you, MLS has a reputation because of decisions that they make. <laughs> it's it's hard like it, it just it's inexplainable things go a certain way and you have no way of explaining it away besides just shrugging your shoulders so to speak yeah uh, 
It strikes yeah, me I... as yeah, it strikes me as odd because I feel like the rule is clearly there to say we want a lot of American players playing in the U.S. Open Cup. Like that makes sense to me that there's a logic to that. But the team that's going through because of this rule is Portland, who barely ever plays American players and had nine internationals in their starting lineup last night. So something kind of there's some way that this got disconnected someplace. So I it's the rules, I guess. Good on you, Portland. I, I hope that, you know, I hope that you do not win the next round. <laughs> but uh, th- there you go. Um, but that's uh, that's basically like that's just kind of some of the drama we had today. Disciplinary connection stuff. Um DC United stuff. We don't need to get into all of that. Let's yeah. do. There was, there was TFC starting a fire. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> and the TFC set a fire in the Canadian Championship on the field, and I guess what was it? The, that's it. All their supporters groups are kind of suspended. I believe so. That is. That is a hammer. I. Uh, I mean, it was ridiculous. I don't know if you guys saw the video. It was. It was a bit much. Like, they actually got uh, flares onto the field. Uh, you could just kind of see, like, this thing slowly grow uh, into, like, an unmanageable situation. So definitely not safe. Um, definitely deserving of some punishment. But I feel like the, the thing is going to be that it, it was one particular, I don't know what you call it, chapter of it. There's just one subgroup of supporters, and, like, everyone's going to get punished for it. So that'll be the controversy. Um, that's it. Let's, let's do Stat of the Week. We haven't done Stat of the Week in a long time. Broop, 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 broop. Did you just make up a theme for Saturday? I, I, it was like <laughs> the best that I could come up with on the spot. Sorry. All right, I like that. I can appreciate that. Um, so this week uh, comes from Dummy Run, as it does on occasion here. And uh, he sent us, well, he posted a chart about goalkeeper efficiency uh, in relation to Zach Steffen. And um, kind of interesting stuff, Harrison. Do you kind of want to uh, explain the, the basic way that this works here? Yeah, I mean, uh, Elliot and the three of us were kind of talking beforehand. This is just uh, what we call keeper expected goals from our perspective. It's uh, XG minus goals, right? Uh, Really simple save efficiency. And it's probably not the best way to measure a goalkeeper, right? There's a lot of different attributes uh, that a goalkeeper has. We've talked about this a few times uh, in the last, uh, since we kind of rebooted the podcast. this, however, is going to at least tell us how good <laughs> how good their saves are, are really looking, right? Are they making easy saves? Are they making more difficult saves? Uh, obviously, one specific goalkeeper of note, uh, it's really convenient that we have Elliot here, is Zach Steffen, right? He has the uh, 4 million bid that's supposedly been turned down. I, I'm rounding up. I think it was 3.9. I'm going to say 4 million because that's just more manageable when you're talking. Uh, he had the $4 million bid. He's obviously not necessarily been as good from the expected goal perspective. However, I don't want to put all our eggs in, in, in that basket. We've seen things with our eyes that can at least tell us that he's still he's still pretty good. And on top of that, he's still rather green for a goalkeeper. I feel like there's a lot of room to still grow. Elliot, you watch him way more than I do. Uh, what do you think about Zach Steffen being at the bottom of the, towards the bottom of this list? Uh, I was skeptical. I mean, I can't argue with the numbers, but he's uh, a really good keeper. 
Um, I say that as someone who only played one half of soccer's keeper when I was about five years old, so I know nothing about the art of goalkeeping, but uh, he seems really good, um, from the eye test at least. Um, yeah, and he's 23, I believe, um, you know, which is a baby for a goalkeeper. So, um, and this is, I mean, this is what his fourth professional season. Uh, it's the second one with the well crew. with Columbus, but he had two seasons previously in what Norway. Uh, he was in Germany for Freiburg, but he didn't actually oh, Germany. play. Uh, no, nothing, nothing for the first team at least. So he was only a, you know, a reserve keeper I think there. Um, so only two, you know, this is his second year. Um, so, like I said, baby goalkeeper. Um, but he's 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 really good. I mean, he's it's more than well. His shot stopping is very good, but you know he's very good in the air. You know, collecting crosses and uh, um, you know uh, corner kicks. Um, and he's generally good with his feet, with the exception of uh, this past game. He had a really bad error, but uh, and another one earlier in the year. But he's he's much he's very good with his feet for a goalkeeper, and he's been getting better. Well, they're not getting this from nothing. I mean, this is a guy that is frequently mentioned as the future of the United States men's national team. Uh, A team in England is interested in spending $4 million on him. Uh, I think he's an MLS all-star. Like, this, you know, I don't know if it's just the eye test, but this guy seems to be a very good goalkeeper. I mean, from the games I've watched, he seems pretty good. Um, Again, I'm not an expert on goalkeepers. I think I played one half when I was five years old, but uh, (laughs) he seems good. you know, he's generally good with his feet. He comes out and grabs crosses, you know, corner kicks uh, very well. He's not afraid of anything. You know, some keepers you are, you know, if they're a good shot stopper but aren't good at, you know, collecting crosses and things, you worry about that. But he seems like he's a pretty all-around good keeper, um, which I was kind of surprised he was at the, the bottom of the list there, especially, you know, with his heroics against Atlanta in the playoffs last year where Taylor Twellman was so... Uh, effusive about you know the ball being behind him and he saved it and I think he did the same thing again the game against France um, for the national team and uh, yeah I mean he's in, you know okay company down there towards the bottom of the list uh, generally goalkeepers that are thought of is quite quite good here like Andrew Blake uh, Brad Guzan who is the the other all-star um, Dave Usted is at the very very bottom um, but like I feel like with this and you know Harris at least talked about this before but there's just not a good it's an interesting metric, but it, like, there just really isn't a great goalkeeper metric, is there? Not yet. I mean, and to be perfectly honest, there's a lot of things that we can't measure, right? You know, uh, how frequently should a keeper come out and deny a cross? When should he not? Um, and, and I think that that's all about defensive spacing. I think that's about uh, circumstance, whether or not you have certain defenders in there, whether or not they're more suited to handle that opportunity for that cross. Uh, there are a lot of things just with the defensive line in the center backs, the fullbacks, and making sure they're, they're properly spaced, they're properly prepared with their assignments on set pieces, that a lot of times the keepers are responsible for issuing out and making sure those things are all set. These are things it makes it really difficult to grade a keeper. Now, that being said, a huge part of those things are also the shot stopping ability. And if they're not making saves in really probably, you know, easy, so to speak areas, it's going to show up, right? 
uh, it's going to be a little bit more uh, egregious, a little bit more present, if I can. You know, it's going to be in the front of your mind. David Ousted is somebody that's been on this list that's towards the bottom. He's somebody that was traded for despite the fact, um, I think he had a quote-unquote good year with Vancouver because he had a bunch of uh, clean sheets. That that's not that's 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 an even worse way to look at it because you're basically giving him uh, kudos for Kendall Waston, Tim Parker. Uh, you had uh, well, I was going to say Stephen Bettishore, but that was like five years ago. Uh, <laughs> the point of the matter is, you there are worse ways to evaluate, and so long as you're doing it within the context, and you're saying, well, he's not a good shot stopper. That might be true. The other side of the coin is that we're talking about, a, I mean, it's 191 shots. If I, I I'm, could be wrong, but just looking at it, it's actually the lowest amount of shots that are in this data set. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit hard to say, well, yeah, he's terrible. Or, yeah, he's really good based off of a really small set. I mean, Bill Hamid has 800 so it's a lot easier for us to say, yeah, Bill Hamid was really good, but we kind of already knew that. I've certainly heard that before. Um, I'm surprised to see you here. I, it's interesting because kind of looking at it holistically, like from a, I don't know, you, well, just to bring like European soccer into this for a half second, even though it's not really our, our, our jam, but, um, you know, like Liverpool just spent, like $80 million on a goalkeeper or something like that. And it's kind of an interesting thing to look at and say like, well, how can you know this is our guy? Like it doesn't matter like how good a goalkeeper is. Like if you're not, you can put the best goalkeeper on an average team and that team is not going to win a championship because there's just so much else going on. And like the only way to kind of limit, I think limit goals, the best way to limit goals is not, put all your hopes on the guy that's throwing himself at the shots, but trying to limit the shots as much as you can. I, I would, I would agree with that. And I think that the tactical approach currently the, the fad is to limit shots, right? Mm-hmm. The point of a lot of different nuances, both within MLS and really worldwide international soccer is to limit shots. That's the best way to say, you know what? Um, we're going to lower that probability of occurring. Even though they're from beyond the 18-yard box, even though they're these low-percentage shots, low-percentage shots still find their way in. And eventually, um, you're going to get burned. We talked about this at the beginning of the season with Sporting KC. Sometimes you just get a bunch of low-percentage shots to go, and that's not necessarily bad on you. (laughs) You're taking the shots that your opponent's giving you. So, uh, yeah, I think just eliminating shots, not even pre- preventing low percentage shots uh, from occurring is the tactical way to handle that. Yeah, and I think with Columbus this year, they've been doing that, at least this year. Um, yeah. You know, their defense has been, un- well, uncharacteristically good for a Greg Burhalter MLS team. Um, but apparently when he was in uh, Scandinavia, that he got fired because they weren't attacking enough. Um, so he, I, 
you can say that he's definitely grown uh, over the. It, it, there's been a lot of changes to the Greg Berhalter era, and I feel like he he very much deals and is uh, flexible with the cast that he has and assembles. Yeah. Um, I guess another interesting thing as we're looking at this list, since we're talking about it, is that uh, up at the top of it is uh, last week we did our uh, all-star picks, and Harrison came at me right off the bat with a Jeff Adanella, and I expressed disbelief. I expressed shock. I expressed, I think, a little bit of chagrin. Um, but somehow he makes the very top of this metric and not by a small amount either. He's, uh, that, that the second highest is a 142% save efficiency on this scale with Stefan Fry. And the top here is JF Adanella with 170%. And I think this was kind of the part of why dummy run was actually tweeting about this was because that was such an interesting thing. And, um, you know, Portland picked him up very inexpensively, um, I think we might have a case here where this guy is actually a really, really good goalkeeper. He just had the unfortunate distinction of being behind Nick Romando for the most part, for the most, you know, the beginning part of his career. Well, I think it also goes and points to Minnesota, right? Minnesota is the one that traded him. It was an RSL. So this is kind of another bumbling by Minnesota. And I hate to say it in that way, but it feels like, they just aren't their front office hasn't done a very good job i mean let's let's just call it what it is they've not done a really good job identifying talent early on in their mls era and the talent that they do recruit they don't there seems to be a disconnect between the front office and the technical staff for on the uh, on the coaching side jeff antonella wouldn't fix minnesota and we kind of, you just kind of said it, and I know I kind of grumbled. Maybe I don't know if I had myself muted or not, but I think that they're a much better team with Jeff Antonella than they are with Bobby Shuttleworth. Although Bobby Shuttleworth obviously is on this list as well, so maybe I'm making an idiot of myself. I don't know. Um, I think this is just another case of, and maybe this is quick to say this again. We got sample size. He only had 49 shots against. It's one of the smaller. Uh, it is the smallest s- sample size within this uh, grouping. So who's to say that that's going to continue, right? Um, obviously, expected goals is a predictive uh, stat, and it looks really good now. Um, it should continue, but he makes maybe some poor decisions. Yeah, it... <laughs> It looks good so far in the first half. First half awards are just that. They're for the first half. The second half, um, the, I'd like to see him keep it up. I, I do think that he's uh, Portland's long-term answer at between the posts. Yeah. And as frequently as that answer has shifted, that's kind of good to maybe have that settled a bit. So there you go. Expected, you know, like save efficiency. It's it's a metric. Um, definitely one that I, I, I kind of like and like to keep an eye on and, you know, the further we get in being able to kind of track goalkeepers, the better. But uh, for right now, I, I kind of have a hard time arguing with a lot in this list out there. Stefan Solo is, is a little bit baffling to me. But again, I think that could just be sample size. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that situation resolves itself. I guess they rejected that bid, which is always an interesting strategy when dealing with a player. So as a crew fan, I am, I am happy they've done so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because here's what I worry will happen is that 
this will turn into another Fabian Castillo or Kyle Aaron thing where just one day Zach Steffen is going to be in England and there's not going to be much really anybody can do about it. Yeah, I just know that Greg Berhalter, at least he has the reputation as being very uh, friendly to players and their ambitions to move elsewhere. Um, you know, he sold players like Giancarlo Gonzalez a couple years ago after the World Cup. Um, you know, so I think he he's looking out for him. Um, so, and Greg Berhalter, I trust um, in this case. There you go. And I think there's a, a thing I, I read sort of maybe from Jeff Carlisle who suggested that if they wait until the end of the year, Columbus will get a significantly larger portion of the transfer fee. So. This also seems that $4 million is not, Maybe I'm biased here. It's not enough. You know, they that that was I think the, you know, Manchester United paid three million for Howard. You know, however long ago that was, fifteen years ago, um, which is about four million for uh, you know inflation adjusted or something like that. Um, yeah, and well, I want more money. Is all I'm you saying. want more money? The crew, the crew definitely need more money right now. So as long as oh. it doesn't go to buying scarves in Austin. So there you go. Save the crew. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on from our sad of the week and let us take our deep dive. And that's why we've actually got Elliot with us here this week. Um, now, you're going to have to explain a lot about what happened because I'm not entirely sure uh, what all was involved. But my understanding is that United States Soccer uh, hosted what was called a hackathon, um, which no actual hacking was done, I assume. Correct. Uh, <laughs> for legal purposes. Uh Basically, it was kind of a get-together with a lot of people that were analytically minded uh, in soccer, and you guys kind of broke up into groups and um, spent 24 straight hours working on a project to show. And at the end of it all, there was a trophy awarded, and it was awarded to, to Elliot's team. Um, can you kind of just give me, like, what, 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 what happened? What is the hackathon? Can I, maybe you can describe it better than I just did. Right. So uh, what it was was, so U.S. soccer... Um, I guess, decided to bring a whole bunch of people together who were, as you said, analytically minded or uh, coding minded um, to try to answer some questions in soccer. Um, they left it very open-ended. You know, they had some prompts about, you know, what things they might want to do, like, you know, how do you quantify defending or compare players across leagues or things like that. But they didn't really have any set questions they wanted answered. Um, so what happened was I think they said about 300 people signed up to do this, um, and they had to accept something like 200 or so. They only had room for 200 or so. So there were about 200 people there. Um, you broke up into teams. Um, so our team, we had a, a few guys from ASA. So it was myself and Kevin Minkus and Benjamin Harrison. And then, uh, we have a couple friends who live in Chicago or, I have a friend named Andrew Crago, and Kevin Kevin had a friend named Andrew Smith. So we had the ASA plus the two Andrews, um, who you know also basically knew nothing about soccer, but know how to code or program. Um, so they were kind of complementary. It's good that they didn't know much about soccer because they kind of kept us. Uh, they had a good outsider perspective uh, on things. Um, but anyway, so the two hundred people broke up into teams. And then we were given 24 hours um, with some data that, that uh, U.S. Soccer gave us, just some Opta data. Um, and we were left to our devices to come up with uh, something cool. All right. And so 
24 hours. Um, I mean, just the logistics of that are, are amazing. Like, were you just all on site there the whole time? Uh, most of the time. Um, so, you know, we started at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Um, we had kind of an idea of what we wanted to do beforehand. Um, so our project ended up being modeling decision-making in the final third, which we'll get into, I'm sure, in a bit. Um, and we just kind of went through, you know, I think we spent, I spent 12 hours there the first day, and then I went back and slept for three or four hours and then came back. But Kevin and uh, Kevin's Andrew, I guess I'll call him, um, Andrew Smith, uh, they stayed at the site uh, the whole time. So it was this, uh, uh, I guess it was like a tech incubator in Chicago there. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, they were there all night. Um, That's and- amazing. So, all right, you, uh, as much as you can, uh, what, what, what did you guys, what did you guys present? Yeah. So like I said, we did, so we did this modeling decision-making in the final third. So um, we took uh, inspiration to, you know, as something like, you know, this happens multiple times a game where, you know, a player will just take a shot from 40 yards out and you're wondering why are they doing that? Or, you know, or on the opposite end, you know, they're, they're, they pass when they should have taken the shot and that kind of thing. So we were thinking, how can we describe what, when players are more likely to, you know, take a shot or dribble or, or pass and how that could affect a team. So what's the, the player's decision-making? Um, and the way we went about doing that is, and this was, uh, what, this was Kevin and, uh, Andrew Smith's part, um, is they did this, and I, I'm not entirely sure of this Gaussian process classification is what they're calling it. And, uh, people can look, um, we, we have, a, a description of our project that you can actually go look at, um, publicly. Um, anyway they did this this machine learning model um, and then what they could show is you know where in the on the field uh, in the final third is a player most likely to shoot or pass or take a dribble Um, so for example um, and I think you can see this on on the website possibly but you know Sebastian Javinko for example um, he likes to shoot generally gonna shoot yeah right so you know we have we we have these maps of, of, of the field and you can see he's got a big hot spot basically over everything around, you know, the the bo- or the 18 and, you know, the circle around the 18 where he's going to take a shot, mm-hmm. um, where he's going to pass the less likely outside of that. Where someone like Frederico Higuain um, is, you know, much more of a, you know, a goal creator or passing kind of guy. Um, and he'll pass pretty much everywhere except for when he's right in the box. Um, and we can draw these little, you know, heat maps of where people will will take their shots or pass or dribble. So, for example, Alfonso Davies just has this just uh, kind of haze of he's going to dribble everywhere. Um, right. Right. Um, and then, yeah, like, so, okay, imagining, like, a player uh, like Almiron, who's just going to be kind of, I don't know, I imagine similar. Like, he's just going to kind of be in that zone 14 and then I guess that's where he's going to be passing from uh, most wise. And then I guess just dribbling everywhere else. Like, Yeah, actually, I don't have Almiron up, but, uh, you know, plausibly, yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, this could tell you, you know, if, if you're a coach or something, you could say that, you know, this is where you 
this is what you're doing. And maybe you could keep doing that or maybe not do that. Or if you were uh, an opposing team, you could say, this is where this person shoots. So maybe, you know, close them down there or something like that. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I see a very interesting, I mean, just, just cold reading here, like is kind of like a scouting potential for that, like kind of to tactically look at and say, okay, we can kind of force, maybe force players into areas that they're less comfortable or where they make more bad decisions. Right. That was the idea. Um, yeah. And then we also did another, um, another, I guess, prong of this project was looking at possessions. So, you know, there's things like expected goal chain where, you know, you're, you're tracking the possession and, and see what happens and assigning some value to each player. Or, uh, you know, recently on ASA, there was Chuck Hai Ho. He had the, uh, XPG model, mm -hmm. um, which was a very good article. People should go read it. Um, so we did something similar to that in, a, in, in the sense that we took the chain of events and then we, uh, based upon characteristics of a possession, for example, how many passes or where the possession ended and the velocity of the possession, so you know how much time it took to go, we could then uh, model the propensity for a team to take a shot. So in this case, we came up with an expected shot model. Um, since everyone loves X, whatever models. Yeah, yeah um, it's our brand. Right. Um, so, you know, we could say, you know, based upon these characteristics, uh, then someone is going to take a shot. Um, and so what we showed there was um, if you do like a shots minus expected shots, the league leader there was, of course, Sebastian Juvenko. Um <laughs> Which, again, not surprising. Nope. Um, but that's, you know, what it was. But then the people who took the fewest amount of shots typically kind of were kind of like your target type, type strikers like Adi in Portland and guys like that who, hmm. you know, may, may receive the ball kind of further up the field, but they're laying it off more rather than shooting from that position. Mm -hmm. And we've seen Adi sort of, you know, we discussed this a couple weeks ago, generally kind of underperforms his XG which is interesting. So I, I have a question, it, yeah. if I may. Um, one thing that we've seen a lot of in the last couple of years, and I think you and I have discussed it on ASA Slack, is the New York Red Bulls and how their approach kind of, um, it just kind of wrecks these types of models. Right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, how did they how did they come out? Yeah, with this? we we didn't do it by team. We did it by player. But I'm looking at the the bottom. So we did show the top ten, the bottom ten, and one of the bottom ten here is is Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, so you know he kind of pops out there. You know, as so he's taking fewer shots than would be expected, um, based upon the possession stats. But again, New York could throw this whole thing off, and we haven't done any validation on this since we only had 24 hours. Um, but he's 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 towards the bottom there, so I don't know if that's breaking it or not. <laughs> yeah, I'd be really interested yeah, really to know not just like tactically, but also formations, uh, how much it varies between you know a four three three and a, you know uh, some of the three five twos and right. Stuff that and that it, was one of the things we would like to done. You know, look at game state, for example. Um, you know, where people shoot if they're down a goal or up a goal or you know that kind of thing. I and mean, we just you know one of the limitations of the hackathon is you have 24 hours and you just don't have time to do all these things. And then they've revoked, you know, they, we signed a, an agreement to, you know, 
get rid of all the data afterwards. So you can't really go back and, and, <laughs> and change this or, you know, look at those things, uh, at least yet. Maybe they'll give us some dispensation or something. Um, so, yeah, so they kind of, <clears throat> I mean, I guess, so they are sort of just taking it on in theory or does the U.S. like plan to use this information that you've we, given them? We don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I don't, I don't know if our code is, you know, intelligible enough for anyone to do anything with. Right. Um, I, you, know, I, you know, we have a guy there we could always talk about off the right. record. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 did, we did uh, meet this guy. Um, <laughs> Dude, how's he? Uh, how's he uh, we'll talk. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll off yeah. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's interesting. So, um, you know, you might have revolutionized soccer and you might not ever get credit for it. But that's Potentially true. But, uh, but we'll, we'll and then one other thing we showed, um, so you remember uh, in World Cup qualifying, Michael Bradley scored that like long-range goal in the Azteca? Yes, that was crazy. Uh, that happened? <laughs> yes. It, it happened. <laughs> right yeah. it's the only, It was like one of like two positive things to remember from goal. Yes, I remember it well. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Kevin remembered that. And... Uh, then he used the uh, his Gaussian model here to show that you know in MLS play in 2017 before Michael Bradley took that goal he was not likely to take a shot basically um, from long range, but then after he scored that goal you now we see this hot spot that's c coming out um, in his oh, wow. you know his his uh, you know uh, shot map kind of right around the top of the 18 so it seems like that. Michael Bradley started taking more long shots after he uh, scored that goal. <laughs> now that's fantastic. I love that. I would love to see that in some more examples, but that's great. So he basically said, he thought, oh, I'm good at this. Right. <laughs> okay, I can try this again. I don't think he's hit one since then, has he? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, probably not. To... <laughs> Those are really low percentage goals. So uh... Uh, Once the idea got in his head, though, it just kind of stuck there. Right. Um, well, that's cool. That's sort of... I. I it, one of the things that we always kind of get into when we talk to um, non-data people is, is that there's this uh, this human element that we have a really hard time um, kind of explaining away with numbers. So like when we talk about finishing expected goals, you know, we can say, well, okay, that guy just has no composure. That guy, you know, is is you know nervous. And it, it, there's a lot of things that we can't really factor into our our, our sort of. Um, into like uh, you know our expected goal uh, goal metric or anything like that, but it sounds like with this kind of thing and, and I guess machine learning, um, maybe we can start to kind of piece some of that out. I mean, I know mm -hmm. this is just kind of a very small baby step, but could you see this going further with more time? Yeah, I, I mean, more data. I guess more more, more yeah data more time. Work. You know, we it's hard to do much in twenty four hours, but I think you know we we made some baby steps there. Um, and yeah, and then we did a couple more things, you know, we're looking at, you know, kind of an, X, an XG model based upon those possessions. Um, and I'll just, you know, not explain it too much, but uh, guess who is the best uh, XG possession uh, player in MLS? Um, the one who always breaks all our XG models. Um, I was going to guess Ladero until you said <laughs> breaks models, so... Yeah, it's of course everyone's favorite Joseph Martinez here in Atlanta. Um, oh, yeah, he, he's okay, like yeah. <laughs> creating. He had like uh, so his goals minus exec, you know, expected goals possession, which was we were calling it, uh, is almost double anybody else in the league. Um, 
So uh, I would imagine though the decision making pretty much is inside right, the box, for him. right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like he doesn't. At least I'm thinking about it from the heat maps that I've created and some of the things that I've seen other people do. It doesn't take shots outside right. the box. Like he doesn't take low probability stuff. So yeah. I feel like there that's an opportunity for defenders and for coaches to kind of scout mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's true we have like we saw I mean like he is a very like he's one of those guys that definitely like you can look at all I've looked at his goals a lot of the times so I've I've written about him a few times on ASA. You know, if you put defenders between him and the goal, there's he does not do great with that. But it's when he gets around that that you got to kind of prevent. And that seems like obvious, but it, it's something that I think when we've seen teams do a good job of uh, you know, managing to kind of keep him, uh, you know, keep players in front of him that you have been able to limit him somewhat. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, a, I love this idea of being able to kind of get inside a player's head with math. Like, I think that's the next, and that's the singularity. It's not, but it's the next. Well, it always, it always surprises me because I would think that that would be really helpful to either a central defensive midfielder or even like a fullback to be like, okay, this is the way I want to put, I want to push this guy or at this point in time it's i've allowed him to come too far so i need to play this way because he's going to do this anyways or he's very successful at this probably better than i am at preventing it so my decision making should change in this capacity and i know that no athletes like to say oh well he's better than me at this but at least i think that's some of the perception from my crowd and from the analyst side, but I find that maybe having a conversation, people can admit, hey, Joseph Martinez is really good, whether that's in the air and jumping or whether that's beating somebody off a dribble. He's really good. So I need to, I need to change up my game to minimize what he's good at. Right. Yeah, that's... That's the other end of, you know, things that, you know, potentially our, our, you know, project could be used for something like that. Um, It just surprises me that I I just feel with talking for, with, and and I haven't talked directly with, with players. Uh, I've passed like questions on to people (laughs) and and the questions I've always got back or the responses I've always got back was, oh, that's not, that's not something that we do, or that's not something we talk to the coaching staff about. Um, and so, I, to me, that's just disappointing. Well, now that we're mapping the, the human brain uh, via soccer through machine learning and, and Gaussian things, which I will look that word up later. I know it's a blur in Photoshop. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my knowledge with it. Uh, so anyway, uh, in the end of all this, uh, you were awarded a trophy. Congratulations uh, to uh, you and to uh, these other fine gentlemen here. Uh, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting Kevin or talking with Kevin and Benjamin before, but also uh, the two Andrews, Andrew Smith and Andrew Crago. Uh, I believe we got that right. Um, that's really awesome, guys. And uh, certainly all of us here at the American Soccer Analysis uh, crew are, are, are super proud of you. So um, well done, guys. That's awesome. And On is behalf like of everyone, any... thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there any place that somebody could look at this? Yeah, so um, all actually we'll all the, of the projects that were submitted to the hackathon are available on um, so dev post. Um, okay. So uh, I don't know if we can post this in the show notes or something. Um, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we can post ours and the rest of them. But um, I think if you Google U.S. Soccer Hackathon, they'll probably come up. Um, 
you know, there were lots of interesting projects um, that were submitted. They weren't all based upon, you know, on the field play. Many of them were, you know, things for uh, increasing fan engagement um, hmm. with the teams, you know, like kind of, um, uh, you know, if you're watching a game, you could pop up various things on, you know, your device, your phone or something as the game was going on. Or, you know, the, the one that came in second place was all about women's soccer, which was really interesting, um, where they were trying to come up with um, an app, basically, that would, you know, increase engagement in, in w, or NWSL and, you know, women's, just women's soccer in general, um, which, you know, I'm all for. Um, yeah, absolutely. So they had a very interesting presentation, you know, and there are other ones, you know, for example, you know, trying to figure out the value of an international roster spot in MLS, um, which our friend Teodal Football will say, don't worry about it. But, uh, um, so, but yeah, I, I go, you know, go look at these things. There, there's a lot of interesting projects on there um, um, that, you know, there were 28 submitted and we just, we had the best one, I guess. And everyone told me, or the team told me to say we were the coolest, uh, coolest team. So, Oh yeah, yeah that's sure. why we won. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I, I know. I know Benjamin Harrison. I've had. We've gone to Sounders games and had dinner together a couple times. And I mean, this with the utmost respect. It, it that's that can't be correct <laughs> at all. So uh, okay, last question before we we let everybody go here. But uh, who gets to keep the trophy? So uh, Kevin took it at least. Um, yeah, I think he was gonna. I don't know if he was going to leave it on his parents' mantle or what, um, but I, I couldn't bring it for sure because I only packed one little bag and it wouldn't fit. Yeah. Um, but Kevin's got it. You know, it's a nice uh, crystal trophy. Um, Ideally, I'd like to see some nerd's version of a Stanley Cup where it just kind of gets passed through weird hedonistic I mean, things. So yeah. they said they were going to do this hackathon. It's supposed to be an annual thing, so uh, they should do that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, anybody that's out there that is listening to the show that is an aspiring uh, future USSF hackathon champion, keep an eye out for that. Or if you're just kind of interested in analytics, um, sounds like a great event where you can learn a lot. And um, it's, it's kind of amazing what uh, isolating yourself with, with really talented people can, can produce. So uh, that's really, really cool. And One I think other thing I did learn was that oh, yes. uh, so um, Greg Burhalter's brother was there, um, Jay Burhalter. Uh-huh. who looks just like Greg Berhalter, but taller and sounds exactly <laughs> like him. So, uh, <laughs> were, you, were you a little, did, did you, did you approach him? I did say, uh, say hi to your brother for me, but uh, you were, you were, I saw you were rocking that Columbus crew t-shirt. So, so yes. he knew that you were representing. This is good. Um, well, uh, that's awesome. Uh, one, one other thing, yeah. and if it just to kind of plug us and not even for Elliot, sorry. For ASA, we are always looking for more people and not just for MLS. We're looking to expand. That's something that we kind of have the goal over the next 18 months. Um, talking about for things that Drew, Matthias, and Kevin and I have all kind of discussed. And we're hoping to have some of that data, some of the NWSL, some of the some of the USMT, MNT, U.S. women's national team, especially with the World Cup next year, that would be so great to have mm -hmm. uh, prior to. Uh, so if you are interested in any of those three things, please drop 
by AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. Go out to the Contact Us page and give Drew Olson an yeah. email and just tell him you're interested in writing or you're interested in helping out in some way. Um, Matthias is an amazing teacher. Kevin's a really great uh, teacher, Elliot. They, these guys have these conversations that are awesome through Slack. Uh, probably, it feels like it's almost once a day at this yeah. stage. Yeah, there's, someone's always planning something. And uh, it, it's, 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 how, it's how the, um, I think it's how progress is, is made. Um, yeah, absolutely. I feel. I really feel over the last uh, over the last year, we've just seen an absolute boom, at least internally. Uh, and really, Elliot's Twitter feed is amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I would love to see more people to jump on board and and doing more with uh, the data that we've accumulated and hopefully the data that we're going to run into in the next 18 so, months. Yeah. yeah. As always, any questions about that kind of stuff, you can you can hit any of us up on Twitter. We'll, we'll point you in the right direction. We'll point um, you to Drew, right? We'll point you to Drew, probably. Probably. Um, yeah, and if you don't have any interest in soccer analytics whatsoever and you just want to edit this show so I don't have to do it, hit us up on Twitter. We can we can find some room for you there, too. Uh all right, that's it. I, I think that's all we got time for. That was fascinating, Elliot. Thank you um, so much for coming by, man. Uh, where can people find you uh, on Twitter.com? Uh, they can find me at E.T. McKinley. Yes, and uh, as someone who follows Elliot and frequently relies on him for uh, data visualizations and uh, his ability to quickly pull stuff, uh, it is a very, very um, enlightening feed. It's very, very, very useful. So I, I definitely recommend giving him a follow. Um, you can find Harrison on Twitter at Harrison underscore crow. Uh, you can find me at a handle for Ian. Um, please, above all else, follow American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. That's at Analysis Evolved. And visit the website www.americansocceranalysis.com. Lots of content. Uh, it seems like there's more and more content every week. Um, <laughs> I know that the, 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 uh, Drew just has a lot more to do because there's so much more going up, and it's, it's great. So be sure to check that out. Um, We'll be back next week, and uh, until then, enjoy the soccer. you can't wait to be in but i think you're already there